Welcome to the Be All Index podcast. I'm your host, Taylor, and today we are talking about my love-hate relationship with fake trades. So the trade deadline happened this week, and a bunch of trades went down, and most of them not super exciting, a couple of them very exciting. But my issue is leading up to the trade deadline, there's so many people in the NBA trade machine making all these things happen, right? And you're gonna say, Taylor, you just did a podcast on the Blazers and everyone's trade value. What how do you what what is your what's your what's your what are you upset with here, basically? And my problem with the fake trades is it's a love-hate relationship, right? It is one of those things where you just get frustrated because you hear about a trade where you're like, okay, this person, they went into the NBA trade machine. It works, the money matches, because that's the biggest problem with trades in the NBA. And you're like, oh, this makes sense for 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 both teams. This team, you know, for their this timeline would work. For this timeline, it works for the other team. You know, you're getting immediate value now versus picks, yada, yada, yada. And all that stuff's great. But the reason I hate them is because, like, they rarely ever happen, almost never happen the way people propose them. And it's for, I mean, a lot of different reasons because these businesses have, you know, different timelines, different uh, things they're trying to hit, selling tickets, all that stuff. And I think the best way I can sum it up is it's like, I heard this idea where someone was like, oh yeah, for like the MCU Spider-Man movies, he has that virtual assistant in his head. What they should do is they should turn that voice into Tony Stark. So he can stay, like he can keep being in the movie franchises. He can like, you know, his the, the best part about that character is when he interacts with other characters, you know, smart and funny and all that stuff. And it's like, oh yeah, that's a really, really good idea. And then you see the Spider-Man movies and that doesn't happen. And, you know, they're like, oh, there's some sentimental stuff. He's like his mentor It all, you know, it all makes sense at all, all those through threads. I see it. And then it doesn't happen. And then you're like, oh, that's disappointing. And then every time you see a Spider-Man movie and that little assistant's talking, you think about that. You're like, I wish it was that way. Cause that's how I feel about the fake trades where I'm like, I wish it was that way. That is more fun, but it, reality isn't that and now it's kind of a bummer <laughs> okay so that's my rant on fake trades it's i i i used to love them and now i don't and that might just me like that that, that maybe that's me just getting older and more grumpy <laughs> but so we're going to go through all the trades that caught my eye. We're not going to talk about every single trade. We're not going to talk about every player in the trade. A lot of the times I'm just going to say, hey, you know, these are the two teams that made the trade. This is who got who. And a lot of the times I'm just going to be like, and then the rest is salary filler because that's what it is. And like, sure, sometimes the salary filler is Marcus All, but like, I don't know that. And I can't tell you that a 20 year old European player is going to be good in five years. But let's start with the Rockets Celtics. Celtics made a lot of good moves at the deadline. They uh, got back Daniel Tice, who was their kind of uh, tough guy, center, set the tone, uh, seemed like a locker room guy type thing. Where it's like, is Daniel Tice the greatest center in the world? No, but he does bring something to your team that is valuable. So they got him back. They had him last year. And the Rockets get Freedom, Ennis Freedom, and Dennis Schroeder. Uh, I think Dennis Schroeder, if you were to look at his stock the last two years, I, I think he's maybe whatever the opposite of Bitcoin is. I think we've just figured out like he just doesn't work on teams that are trying to be high-level teams. Like his skill set just doesn't fit. Because the problem is like you see him play against high-end competition and one of his greatest skill sets is probably once, twice, maybe three times a game, he will just 
accelerate before anyone reacts on the defense and he'll just get a free layup because he's probably the quickest player in the league. But the problem is when you play against high-end teams that are trying the entire time and focused and in the game with a defensive scheme and defensive-oriented players, like, it just doesn't work that well. Or, like, in the fourth quarter, like, that doesn't really work. And then, you know, it's the classic things. He can't shoot very well. He's very limited as a passer. He can create some, but because he's so small, uh, like, his passing angles can be taken away by, like, longer defenders. So I think we just all kind of agree, Dennis Schroeder, like, Oh man, I would ugh, the the financial repercussions of the last two years for him. But all right, moving on. We got so many trades to get through. All right, four team trade: Clippers, Bucks, Pistons, Kings. I have no idea logistically how this happened. I can't get like, I can't get six people to go to the park for a pickup game of three on three. I don't know how four NBA teams got a trade done, but the Kings got Divincenzo. He's a perimeter defender. I like a lot. I think he's like a fourth or fifth year player. Uh, problem is he's coming back from ankle surgery. He missed the playoff run, kind of had his spot taken by Pat Connington, and then he got traded. He's he played very few minutes this year, hasn't been very impactful. But unfortunately, Pat Connington got hurt, I think, the day of the trade of the day after, so it's a bummer for the Bucks. But I think a good pickup for the Kings because they need more players to play defense. Uh, the Bucks get Serge Ibaka, and I think that's another just, hey, we are – we are build. We're building for the playoffs. We're plugging in another backup big to see if he fits. To see if this is, could could be a, a valuable asset in the playoffs. They've tried that this year. They've just been cycling guys through, looking for that fit. I think Abaka is another guy to plug in and check. Uh, the Pistons get Marvin Bagley the third. I think that's just like a great. It's a, a baseball term a lot. Just change of scenery where it's like high pick wasn't really working out on the Kings. Who knows? Could he might never make it, you know, or he might become a solid player. But the Pistons didn't really give up anything, and they just they're like, hey, we're a team that's rebuilding. We're gonna take a flyer on this guy, and the Clips just get a bunch of various dudes in this trade. I think to all make it work out salary wise. Uh, moving on, Hornets and Wizards. Hornets trade for Montrez Harrell because, like I said, you know that team needs more offense, and the Wizards get a second round pick and filler salary. I think the way you look at this trade is the Wizards were able to acquire another pick in the Russell Westbrook trade because Montrezl Harrell was a piece of that. So that's a, an easier way to think of it. And I think that's a good move by uh, Wizards GM and ownership. And for the Hornets, y- you have another NBA caliber player on your team. I guess that's not a bad thing. Um, and you're going into the playoffs. So, all right. Uh, Wizards make another trade with the Mavs. And the this one's kind of a big one. The Wizards get a second-round pick plus Porzingis. And the Mavs get Bertans and Dimwitty. So it's basically like, hey, the Mavs, it wasn't really ideally working out with Porzingis the way they had hoped when they traded for him. So basically, it's $30 million plus in salary they're trading for. The Wizards, Bertans is a three-point shooter who's not shooting well this year after getting paid. And Dimwitty is... Uh, Someone on the Nets people really liked a lot, but he's coming back from a surgery. He got a decent chunk of uh, money in the offseason. So this is basically the Wizards and the Mavericks just swapping contracts they're not really in love with. I like it for the Mavs because they acquire another three-point shooter because I think that's what they were trying to get with Porzingis. Uh, interesting enough, Porzingis this year uh, in the LeBron database is has been solid. He's not, he's not you know, really high-end, but he moves the needle positively on both offense and defense. His playmaking's made a huge jump this year. Uh, and I think that's just like basically a, 
hey, we're stuck paying this money and this isn't ideal, so let's just try to swap with another team for similar money and see if these guys plug in a little bit better. And I think the Mavs could benefit from that three-point shooting if Bertans can turn it around. Uh, next trade, Celtics and Spurs. So this is another move the Celtics made that I, I, the Twitter loves. The Celtics got Derek White from the Spurs, and he's basically a guard that can penetrate and is a good passer. And he's not an elite passer, but he ranks really high in our playmaking grade because he's just pretty good at everything. Like, there's some volume there. There's some quality. There's some efficiency. And, you know, you do all those things pretty well, and you end up as a pretty good passer. Um, good perimeter defender. And those are things that I, I think the Celtics really needed that playmaking. They got Schroeder because, you know, he is a point guard on paper. But when you watch him play, creation isn't really like his forte so they plug in a different guy that uh is a better defender and a better playmaker and uh hopefully the core of the celtics benefit from that uh spurs get salary filler a first round pick and a pick swap in 2028 i think that's uh, a decent return for this player so celtics i think we we hit on two of their trades added a you know added back their veteran center and uh, got a, a guard that can play defense and can penetrate and pass. And I, I think those are things that people have been wanting the Celtics to get for a little while now. Uh, next trade, Kings and Pacers. Uh, this was a big one. This is where the Pacers got Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson. And the Kings got Sabonis. And the internet, or Twitter was like, what are you doing, Kings? And I think we say that all the time. And it's easy to say that with the Kings. But I tried to dig a little deeper, and I was like, okay, so Halliburton is a young guard that creates and shoots the three pretty good. And that's, you know, that's exciting. That's that's something you want in modern NBA players. Uh, Sabonis, I really like a lot. He's been like a fringe all-star player. He's going to be, so he's 25 now. He's signed through two more years. So that means the Kings are going to get age 26 and 27 of a borderline all-star player who is making around 20 million average those two years. I think that's a really good value for a small market team. And then again, he's very tradable. So uh, I don't hate it because I'm not as high on Halliburton as other people are. Um, I think he is a, he's young, but he seems a little small and he seems to have trouble around the basket uh, when I have seen him play. But again, I know his strengths are the three point shooting and the creation. So I think it's a good move for the Pacers because they get Halliburton, a young player they can hopefully build around. I'm not so sure on what his ceiling really is, but uh, a lot of people disagree with me. And I think the Kings get a borderline all-star player that, again, they can trade in a year or two. So I'm not, I don't think this is as bad for the Kings as other people do. Uh, After that, Blazers-Pelicans. Pelicans get C.J. McCollum. I talked all about the Blazers a few episodes ago. They trade C.J. McCollum. One of the better players uh, that was going to be available at the trade deadline. And the Blazers, in return, get a protected first-round pick from the Pelicans. So, like, I don't really go into this too often on trades, but it is important because the Pelicans are a very bad team, uh, basically every year, where the Blazers, uh, they get the pick. And if in the lottery it's a uh, first through fourth, then they do not get that pick. But if it's, you know, anything after that, five, six, seven, they do. But if they don't get that pick... It's very confusing. I actually had to Google. That's why you're listening to this podcast. It's a guy with a huge database of stats, a basketball index, and is also willing to Google things when he doesn't know what they are right off the bat. 
So that first pick is protected, uh, slots one through four. And then uh, if they do get that lottery pick, the Pelicans, they don't have to give up the pick to the Blazers, but they do have to give up a 2025 first round picks pick they got from the Bucks. Uh, then they have to give to the Blazers, but is also protected one through four. So if the Bucks are bad in 2025 and the Pelicans are bad this year, the Blazers can end up not getting either of those picks, but that probably won't happen. Uh, on top of that, they get two other second round picks and then salary filler. So to recap that trade, Pelicans get CJ McCollum and salary filler, and the Blazers get a first round protected pick at two second round picks and then fill our salary to, to fill out the trade. And then the other trade the Blazers made was Robert Covington and Powell to the Clippers. And they got Eric Bledsoe salary filler in return in a second round pick. They basically took Robert Covington, the most tradable player in the league. And uh, so sometimes you have to do this. You have to package an asset that people want with a contract you don't like. That happens in the NBA constantly. The problem with Powell is his contract is not bad. Uh, I think he's somewhere like four years, $16 million-ish per year. Uh, he's a pretty good player, the, a pretty solid offensive player. So that's what the trade looks like on the surface. But then when you like you think for another second, you're like, wait, Powell's a good player too. So most people were saying this was just to move salary to, to re-sign uh, guys on the roster already for the Blazers or to make a move in free agency. Um, maybe, but you, you traded away McCollum and Covington and you didn't get back as much as you could have. And I just think that's like the difference between GMs there on different teams. Uh, moving on trade after that Cavs and Pacers Cavs get, uh, Karis Levert in a second round pick. The Pacers get just salary filler, um, a first round pick and two second rounders. I think this is one of the most interesting trades at the deadline because the Cavs did need more perimeter offense and the Pacers were like, hey, we're, we're, we're trying to rebuild. Uh, you, you got a first round pick and a second round pick essentially when you're with Pacers because then you swap twos. And then the Cavs got Levert, who I think is a good player. He can score. And uh, I think when you're making a run of the playoffs and when everything's bouncing your way and you're a young up and coming team, a lot of the times you do need to trade uh, draft capital for a little extra talent. A lot of the times teams don't do it. Uh, and I would like to see teams do that more. So I think the Levert trade is, is a, a solid gamble. And I think they paid a, a fairly a fair price. And then the last one, the big trade, um, I'm very red-faced. I know this is a podcast and you can't see, but I was like, I want to rattle through all the trades I just made a note of in my head where I was like, oh, there's something interesting there, you know, where it was, hey, the Blazers could have maybe done a little better trading, you know, half their roster for a couple second-round picks and a first-round pick. Um, but uh, the last one is uh, Sixers and Philly, obviously. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it because if you go anywhere where there are speakers – this is probably being discussed right now. But the Sixers get James Harden, and the Nets get Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Jump, Drummond, and two first-round picks. And my only takeaway from this trade is there's going to be a potential lineup within it. So, by the way, it's a good trade for both teams. Like, sure, you can talk about fit with James Harden, or you can talk about Ben Simmons not playing, yada, yada, yada. I don't care. Uh, it's a good trade for both teams. Both these teams could win the championship this year. Um I'm a little worried about the Nets having everyone mesh together because Kyrie doesn't play road games and uh, Katie's hurt right now, so that is a concern. But the real takeaway from this trade is there's going to be lineups, potentially the Nets run out, that have Patty Mills, 
Joe Harris, and Seth Curry. The space, like uber spacing, I don't even know what a term would be, where if KD and Kyrie, if they go a small ball lineup, I don't know if they can play really any defense with that lineup, but you could be, your offensive rating could be like 155, where it's like, you you just, you can't, it almost seems like you can't have that much three-point talent on the court at once. It almost seems like if you're the Nets, you want a bigger court <laughs> or a four-point line because I just, I don't know. That's what I was very excited about that last night. I, was, I thought about it for about 20 minutes. Um, yeah, so that's going to sum it up for the trade deadlines slash why I have a love-hate relationship with the NBA trade machine and fake trades. All right, my name's Taylor, and this is the Basketball Index Podcast.